0: Everyone on the team loved the sport of the flat track. They loved Brian because he just fit in really, really good. And he appreciated what everyone was doing. It was just a circle of good stuff. And the harder we worked, the more he trained. And it was just a a circle of good things that, that just led to a lot of success.
1: Episode 156, Tank Slab Podcast. We out here. We got Ricky Howerton on the podcast coming on. Stoked to talk to Ricky. Legendary tuner, bike builder, crew chief. Dude, he wasn't here long uh, in the game. He's still in the game, but he wasn't, you know, crew chief and do- doing the what he was doing for super long, but instantly came into the sport and dominated. And we're excited to bring him on. He's got some stuff that he's... He's working on within Flat Track, which is amazing. It's going to be cool to have him kind of back in the sport a little bit. We'll talk to him about that. Get his background. He's the builder of the beautiful Howerton-Crosley Radio Kawasaki's. He did a stint with Indian. He did another stint with Factory Harley-Davidson, Vance and Hines. Guy's a legend, Eric. Stoked to have him on, coming on the show here in a little bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. It's exciting to uh, get him on and kind of learn a little bit uh, about who he is. And, you know, with a lot of the writers, uh, some of the legends that we interview, you can kind of do a little bit of uh, digging and get to know, you know, some some prep work, if you will. Uh, But with Ricky, um, there's really not as much information out there. Uh, So it's going to be cool to kind of get him on and just ask ask from the source.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited because I don't know Ricky too well. Like he's always been super nice to me. And I actually got to ride one of his motorcycles when I did an article for Cycle World at the Springfield Mile in 2000. I want to say it was 2016. I got to ride his bike and um, he's always been super nice to me, but I'm excited to kind of peel some layers back and get to know Ricky Howerton a little bit more. And I'm sure we can dig into some of the the bike stuff as well because his bikes were just one of a kind. That that's just an understatement too. I mean I can't I can't undersell or I can't oversell what he's been able to do with his his motorcycles. And I'm just yeah, I'm just really eager to get him on. I want to make sure we shout out Mission Foods title sponsor of the podcast. They do so much to support the industry. They support us. If you can go out buy some products Let's let's keep them going as much as I mean I don't know how many tortilla chips tor- tortilla chips we all can buy, but shit I'm sure we can buy a lot of them. So if you can't find them at your local grocery store, find them online and support those who support us. I want to give a shout out to Dunlop Motorcycle Tires. Check out their line of of tires: 19 inch, 17 inch flat track tires, off road, street, moto. Check out their website: DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. The official tire of American Flat Track and Moto America. Also want to give a huge shout out to Moto America for supporting what we're doing. We are at New Jersey Motorsports this weekend, the season finale for Moto America and Moto America Mini Cup. If you're anywhere within a few hours of the venue, come check it out. The the King of the Baggers Championship's going down to the wire. There's going to be some excellent racing. Our boy Rispoli is uh, is up for the title with Hayden Gillum, another flat tracker, Kyle Wyman, a lot of great uh, classes, Junior Cup, Superbike. Uh, I think twins cup as well, mini cup. There's a lot of great classes, so if you can, come check it out. If you're not able to be there, subscribe to, subscribe to their live plus package. Man, what's uh, what's good, dude? I saw you guys were racing all weekend, Spoke, sp- Spokane. Yeah. Did you start in the infield yep. or the pits or where? Where did you guys start? Yeah, this they time? started
2: standard infield starts they always do a, a triple crown where um in years past they would do short track indoor and tt but now with the uh the fair that's going on right now they just they prep the short track differently they'll, they'll pack it in one night and then the other night they'll make it super deep and so there's three different types of racing and uh the little guy got it done uh did well uh put another second down uh off his time so he's uh he's starting to figure out that little cobra so uh dare i say uh yeah those cobras
1: are they're fast (laughs) they're a little too fast but they're they're good bikes yeah they're twitchy sons of bitches but they're they're really cool bikes (laughs) and you're a big lap time guy huh you're always checking lap times hey lap time lap time you know it's so in in road racing it's one thing but in flat track it's so finicky with lap times, just because like the dirt and how rough, you know, I mean, people,
2: it's like the fans, like they,
1: they go on, they're like, yeah, back in the day, you know, so-and-so their lap times were way better. So they're better riders. It's like, okay, well, you know, track conditions, tires, you know, the bikes, everything's so different now. And it's, it's honestly crazy, man. Cause here in America, we, uh, if you've noticed the four fifties, they shift a lot more now. Um, When I was a pro on a four fifty, we never shifted. We just ran one gear. And now, if you look in AFT, a lot of the top AFT singles riders, they shift probably 80% of the racetracks. And I was up in Canada this past weekend, and I was shifting, which I'm still trying to get used to it. I don't love it myself. And everybody was mind-blown that I was shifting. I'm like, I don't know, dude. Everybody does it in America, so I'm just you know i'm just doing what doing <laughs> what they do <laughs> so um, well i think
2: one of the things with the the little bikes is and you know obviously with cruise you'll know this cuz there's there's such a wide variety of bikes out there and let's be honest to all the 50 dads out there if you're putting a cobra up against a shaft bike or like a a honda there's just there's a huge difference and a lot of the times if your kids on a cobra he's by himself right or h- herself and so the kids want or at least my kid he wants to know how he's doing if you know it's like a cobra against like a bunch of bikes that aren't the same and maybe I sound like a dick by saying that but it's because he wants to know if he's doing better or worse and so uh that's just what we've kind of gravitated towards so I don't know what you kind of do when um with crews, because I know cruises he's oh god he's so good on that junior cobra so i don't know what do you think about that i was definitely going. what's pick that like on the that. lap times sort of thing yeah so like if the kid is because uh, you you and i we, we've seen it like the cobras are just on a different level if you get yeah to give the kid at least something to to to
1: race against then <laughs> it's I mean, hard i don't know yeah, yeah. it's hard especially because there's just not a lot of competition right now across the country in, yeah. in the 50 CC classes. So a lot of the times they'll combine shaft drive and, and Cobra and shifter bikes. Uh, so for me, it's tough. I mean, honestly, dude, like a lot of the tracks, unless it's a big half mile, like even, you know, decent size, short tracks, TTs, he's his lap times probably aren't that far off on a P dub versus the Cobra. Cause he flicks it around so much better, but the cobra just <laughs> annihilates every pw off the starting line it's it's not even comparable but yeah i mean i don't i don't know dude i just i guess i've watched him enough where i can tell if he's riding like shit or if he's riding good cuz it's um sometimes they'll come in you know oh i won it's like yeah you, you did but you didn't ride that good <laughs> so maybe i'm just an asshole but uh i don't know we keep things in check i try to keep it fun but if there's things he does wrong even if he wins you know i try to try to word that in a way where I'm not crushing a six-year-old's hopes and dreams, but also kind of motivating him. But dude, I don't know. There's no instruction manual for being a dad, as you know. And I, I, I probably say a lot of things that, you know, probably most other parents would be like, damn, you're being a dick dude. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm winging it. <laughs> so Yeah.
2: Well, he had that, uh, he had a slide school this weekend and he, I don't know, Joe Cop was trying to teach a bunch of kids on 65 and 85s how to go around in a circle. So I don't know, kids, they they listen when they want to. And as long as they're having fun, I guess that's what matters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was up in Canada this weekend. So that was a, a crazy experience. I, I've never been out of the country. And I went to Quebec. So for those who don't know, that is a very, very French, yes. French area. I mean, every every road sign, every menu, every storefront, everything is in French and everybody, you know, they initially, they start speaking French. Like if you go to a restaurant, it's all, it's all French. And then we're just like, I mean, I'm, I don't even try. I'm just like English. Yeah, I don't speak French. And they just, they're like, and then most of them, they, they switch over to English. It's, it's pretty impressive how many people are fluent in two languages, English and, and French, because in America, like we're kind of stubborn where not many of us learn a second language. I mean, I, I don't really know anything in another language. So, I mean, I speak Philly, just John and well, you
2: didn't, you didn't grow up speaking Amish.
1: (laughs) No, no, that's just like an accent thing. That's like Dutch. I mean, it's not, (laughs) no, I, I actually am not a fan of the Amish dude. I, I, I'm not, I don't know if that's, I don't think it's racism, but I just, a lot of things the Amish do that really piss me off, but, um, I don't think any Amish listen to our podcast, so we we'll probably won't lose any listeners, but yeah, dude, it was a man. It was a really cool event. Um, obviously a lot of you guys probably watched it on fan choice, which was cool that they showed it on fan choice, but a really cool event, a ton of riders, uh, well, not a ton of riders, a shit ton of quads. There was literally a hundred quads there, About a dozen of them had R1 motors in them and R6 motors. And I've never seen that many quads, uh, at a race. And honestly, they kind of mess the track up. Like it just really brushes off the track. And this was the hardest surface cushion I've ever raced in my life. Eric, it was, I could probably could have took a, a screwdriver to, and a hammer and tried to hammer it into the track. And it probably would have, it probably would have broke the screwdriver. I mean, it was concrete hard and it, it made for some really weird racing i thought it was it was interesting
2: no i mean the track looked i mean it looked smooth and the the track times were were good and i don't know uh dominic boliak looked uh, he looked fantastic so um i don't know it was good it was cool to see fans choice uh putting on a different um series uh after and i don't know the I thought AFT owned fans' choice. So how they broadcast Canadian events, because this isn't, a, I was looking in the past, this isn't the first time that they've broadcast uh, Canadian races. So I'd be really interested to see how that all come uh, came to be um, behind the scenes. But no, it was definitely cool to be able to log on and, and watch some flat tracking.
1: Yeah, and honestly, some of the most beautiful Framers, I've ever seen in my life, uh, up, up in Canada. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And, you know, they have a DTX class and they have an open class. And the open class, you know, I took my twin up. I'm like, all right, well, open class, the, the twin should be really, really good. Obviously, it's harder to throw around, especially on a track that gets really, like a really hard base and it's kind of skittery. But I was like, you know, I'll, I'll probably pull them on the straightaways a little bit. But dude, it's not like I'm racing 450s on the twin, I'm racing against you know it was i bet they were 75 80 horsepower Rotex motorcycles dominic Bolak was on like a 690 gas gas and i was completely discouraged when i whole shot at the heat race he banged the shift and he beat me into the corner on a single and then i come down the back stretch and he gap me i'm like holy fuck dude I, i'm a i'm a little undermatched here so uh and i was having some issues with the twin um just a few, a few issues. I won't, you know, not, no excuses, but I was having a couple issues. So then I just, I don't ride 450 DTX bikes that much. Uh, I haven't in a long time. I kind of just hop on them and wing them, but Mike Luzak just built me a really fast KTM. And that was the first race I rode it. And I knew my only shot was to win one win was on the DTX class. Cause we were all essentially on similar bikes and yeah, I, I surprised myself. I won on the single. So that was That was cool. I, you know, I didn't expect that. I thought for, if anything, I would probably have a good shot on the twin, but I got my ass kicked on the twin and I won on the DTX bike. So look out Cody Cop. I'm coming for you next year, bud. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: Uh, I was, I was thinking about this, um, when going up to Canada, uh, did you, cause you went, you went up there, it was a business trip, right? Did you have to do anything like special? like for, uh, going up to Canada or was it just like, Hey, here's my passport. Wee oui, we, oui, I'm going to, uh, you know, Quebec. I, I was yeah. thinking about that today.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I got a passport, which the race was supposed to happen July 1st and it rained out, okay. but I, I expedited my passport for me, Amber and Cruz. It was over 600 hours to, to expedite it. And then the race rained out in July and then Amber and Cruz didn't come because Cruz did a road racing school this weekend with uh, New Jersey Mini GP, so he didn't even go. I went up with Kent, Megan, Gramel, and went up with them. But no, I mean honestly, dude, it's kind of it's kind of discouraging. But it was way harder to get into Canada than it was to get back into the U.S. And maybe maybe that's because uh, we're obviously American citizens. They didn't question us too much. They could smell the bald eagle all over me when I came in. But going into Canada, man, <laughs> it, it's not like. Like I figured, oh, they don't fucking care. Just walk right into Canada. <laughs> but they they actually asked a lot of questions, like, how do you guys know each other? Where are you going? You know, we told him we race motorcycles. He he, you know, he asked if they were registered, if we were gonna ride them on the road. Um, you know, it, it it wasn't super easy to get in. It was it was like a 10 minute process on the way in. Yeah. But on the way back, it was it was pretty painless, just kind of mosey back on in but yeah it was wild man yeah like, nobody spoke english up there it was it was i mean some but it was it was, it was france one <laughs> yeah it, it, it is
2: there we like up in uh spokane here we have a contingency of uh bc riders that come down and they all say that they go to the same checkpoint at the same time and they build basic. they built basically a relationship with like uh, a couple of the uh, customs officers to make that process less of a pain in the ass. So maybe if uh, now that you're, you know, the the grand champion of the uh, 450 class and king of Canada, maybe I would just go back to that same place and uh, try and, you know, do that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah no, it, it was a cool experience. And, and those Canadian riders, like obviously they, they come down here and they do well, Dave Pouillet and, dominic bolak and dustin brown like they're you know tyler seguin um they're very 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 good riders when they come down here but they're even better up where they're up where they live i mean dude they were they they rode they ride so hard i mean they literally it's the opposite of my riding style like calculated smooth they're up by the bales going crazy and in that main event i was committed to riding higher i actually rode high the first few laps and I didn't want to do it but I was up there and and then I uh moseyed back down to where the the C-Tex line a little bit more comfy down around the bottom but it was cool man they they have some really really good engine builders up there John Parker and Pascal Picot and um um uh, Kurt Bigier Bigier. I forget I don't know how to say his last name but they there's some I mean man there's some of the bikes up there are, are as good as anything we have down here in America so it was super cool. I, I loved my experience there. And, uh, yeah, I just got to build a, let's build get a roundup there. Let's yeah. Get an AFT round it, it, up there. it could happen, man, honestly. And I need to build a bigger single for, for the open class next year. That was, that was yeah. kind of embarrassing. My, my result there. I actually switched to the 450 in that, but dude, it was a butter knife to a machine gun fight. It was, wasn't even close. Yeah. So, but all in all good weekend, I had a lot of fun and, and I'll be back for sure. But Let's get into our interview. We have him on the line right now, and it's Ricky Howerton. Ricky, how are you, man?
0: Hey, good, Corey. How you doing? Good.
1: Good. It's me and Eric Hartley here, and uh, really stoked to have you on the podcast. It's we just kind of we talked about you a little bit before we, before you came on, and me and Eric, we we don't know a lot about your background, your early background. Obviously, mm-hmm. I know I know you grew up in Indianapolis. You have a a background in in an uh, in IndyCar racing and and things like that. I don't want to sound arrogant because I just don't know a lot of your car (laughs) racing background. So if you could give us a little bit of that info first, um, you know, I obviously know a lot of the things you've done on, in the flat track, but I'm, we're curious where your, your background actually is from.
0: Well, if you start out say with, with, uh, my father, he raised, my grandfather raised, in Oklahoma, he was super successful racing midgets and sprint cars. Um dad was the same. Um he was track champion all over the place around Tulsa. Um he moved with us up to Indianapolis like nineteen seventy one, uh, when I was one year old. Dad made the trip uh to do to try to become uh you know an indie car driver. Um, came to Indianapolis worked for Patrick Racing. Uh, which is a real successful IndyCar team back in the day and had a couple opportunities um, to drive, but pretty small. So at that time he was kind of venturing off, you know, starting his own fabrication shop. Um, So that's kind of, I grew up around dad's um, fab shop. Um, When I got a little older, um, started racing go cars and then motocross and um, and then went to engineering school and, uh, uh, let's see, raced sprint cars at the same time. And at that time, that's when the Honda flat track team, like 80, 1983 was just basically two buildings down from my dad's shop. So that's kind of where, you know, me and my going in circles uh, deal kind of came together with uh, the motorcycle deal, um, got to know. Gip and Sparky and, um, all those guys that were mechanics on Bubba and Ricky's bikes. And pretty soon I was, you know, riding my BMX bike down to their shop and stuff. And, uh, started going to the races with Bubba and his RV and hanging out. So, um, just really had a great time with that. Um, probably what mid eighties, late eighties, you know, I got, old enough when I started racing sprint cars and stuff. Um, I kind of got away from that and, uh, I don't know, maybe five years later, kind of got back to getting the edge to doing something involved in flat track. So, um, I called Skip Eakin up, asked him, uh, I knew he still had a team, an XR team and asked him if I, uh, if I got an engine, um, off of ebay like a parallel twin i always like parallel twins because they package uh really good and so i was looking at kawasaki and um uh, you know at that time warner was you know having some success with brian on his so that's i mean long story short that's kind of how i sort of got back involved and at that point i didn't even know brian um it's, uh, that's that's a whole other story <laughs>
2: So it's this is uh, Eric, by the way. So it's interesting. I wanted to back up a little bit. You had mentioned that you uh, you have an engineering degree and in the sport of flat track, um, you know, sometimes uh, going off to school can be kind of taboo. Like, oh, you're taking time away from your your career, if you will, or, um, you know, you just don't hear a lot about it. So where did uh, where did you go to university uh, to get that uh, engineering degree at? Uh, when I got out
0: of high school, I went to uh school in Evansville, university of Evansville. I went to school yeah, yeah, there okay. for a year. Um, and at the end of that year, my dad, um, got a sprint car. So he made the, the silly remark, Hey, uh, if I got a sprint car, you think you'd want to go race? <laughs> so I packed up and moved back to Indianapolis. And so I went to Purdue and in Indianapolis, um,
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I'm from uh, uh I'm from uh Springfield. So I'm familiar with Evansville and Purdue and all those schools. So okay, yeah, that's that's <laughs> cool. Um yeah. so did now was it you had mentioned that your 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 old man was kind of getting you into it. Did um as, so you ended up finishing and um and and that's and when you went to college, that's where you kind of learned some of this this uh Ricky Howardson knowledge that everybody's talking about is is that where you kinda uh were able to hone a lot of those skills or was it more on the job stuff?
0: I'd say both I mean honestly, I've been really lucky to to be brought up around old school guys and new school guys and it and it seems like you know there's certain times in history you know certain things happen you know say uh you know computer modeling that's been around for, I don't know, maybe 20, 20 years in kind of a prim, you know, primitive form back in the day. And so I had some of that in school. Um, and then when I got out, you know, I didn't really use a whole lot of it. And when I started wanting to build a a motorcycle (laughs) so it's a funny story so I wanted to build a street bike Um, Skip was going to build my supposed street bike engine and I told him I wanted it just as authentic as if you were to go race Springfield Mile or something you know I said I wanted it whatever you would do to that engine I want that done in mind and we'll just figure out how to make it survive the street so I started computer modeling that thing I went to Indy Mile in uh, 2000 or 11 when brian was riding for bill looked at kind of the whole packaging of the engine and and all that stuff i think mike scott had one at the time too that uh johnny lewis um rode and uh so i started i really didn't know how to computer model all that well and i just i just spent literally hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of man hours on the computer in the wee nights of the the months and stuff and um really learned a lot on modeling and and things like that uh just because i was so passionate um to try to get this cool motorcycle built so um that's essentially the 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 bike that we wrote that brian raced in 2012 and 13 and won a bunch of races on um that bike actually has a vin number um i rode it for a short time before um, i met brian and we put a team together, so that's kind of the crazy story of that mo- that motorcycle. I mean, it really was never intended to be go racing. It was intended for me to ride to, to launch and stuff on, um, and it just happened to to work out. I mean, when you had – you know Skip such a was a, such a great knowledge base on what works and what doesn't work. Um, I mean, he was the go to guy on, hey, what do you think about this? Or um, I mean, in a real simple form, Skip was. He was a great guy, I and mean, I looked up to him as a kid. He kind of always scared me as a kid because he was, you know, big, gruffy guy that was always grumpy and asking, you know, what do you want? He scared me <laughs> but, He scared um, me as an
1: adult, Ricky. I was
0: scared to skip. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I loved him. I mean, um, probably, honestly, one of the biggest disappointments in my whole flat track career was uh, when he passed away after Knoxville in 12 um you know he he built the original engines for our team and when let's see we went springfield first race Brian ran third skip was there for that second race sacramento skip the airplane <laughs> the windshield on the airplane broke and he had to turn around and go home basically he never saw us win i mean uh we won a bunch of races and for whatever reason you know he passed away pretty early in our team deal but i was really bummed that i didn't get a stand on the podium with him
1: yeah yeah skip was a a legend and it's it yeah that was a tough that was a real tough loss i actually rode i rode skip's bike that luke luke was riding and i think he was hurt the one year and he offered it up to me but that thing was dude it was so fast and i was (laughs) not not very i wasn't a Oh, I wasn't as, as developed as, as a racer then. And I, it, dude, that thing was fast. I, I could barely ride it. It was so fast. And, and yeah, I didn't do very well. And he just, you know, he, I, I kind of like that accountability <laughs> for like, he kind of just told <laughs> me, he told it me could, could
0: be tough on the riders yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't, I, I mean, I heard him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I heard him at Knoxville one time
0: when Luke came in and Skip says, well, what, what, what do you think of the, of the bike? And Luke says, yeah, man, it feels great. And Skip says, well, how come you're, heck you your freaking 11th. He goes, why don't you ride it harder and tell it doesn't feel good. Then tell me what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't tell me I suck, but basically like I, I didn't have a good, I mean, he never called me to ride his bike. <laughs> we will say that, but it was, <laughs> it was a great experience. And honestly, those old school tuners, the Skip Eakins, Johnny Goad, guys like that. I, I can respect that. I, I wish I had more of that accountability growing up. You know, my dad was pretty easy on me. I could suck or win and he kind of gave me the same reaction, but no, it was, yeah, he's an absolute <laughs> legend, but that, uh, that story with Brian first ever coming over to your shop, I think he told it, we had him on, we had him as a guest a couple years ago. And I think he told that story where, you know, you wanted him to look at your bike and he just figured it was some thrown together street tracker. I mean, everybody's always building bikes. And, and when he came over, he was just mind blown at, at the bike. And do you still, I'm sure you still have that bike, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that picture I sent, one of those bikes was that, that was it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Well, you, um, you hired Brian as a rider and you guys went racing. I guess you just mentioned, I think your first year was 12, but did you have any idea where you guys would be at when you went into that season? I mean, I mean, for you, it was so new.
0: No, I mean, we were, I mean, honestly, when we went to Springfield, yeah, we had a cool bike and had a great engine and all that stuff. I mean, we were clueless. I mean, just to be honest, I mean, you know, the guys walking through the pits, ringing the horn, you know, for us to get up to, you know, start practice and stuff. We had no, absolutely zero idea um, on, on anything. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird story, but I mean, even even to put the team together, um, Boa Crosley, you know, I mean. He's he's got about as short as attention span as I do, and and when Brian wanted to put the team together after he seen the motorcycle, I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I don't have I don't have the resources to to do something, you know. I mean, I can do the labor and build all the bikes and all that stuff, and but I said that's it, you know. I said there's one dude. I said I can make a call, but you know, I mean, slim to none. And so, you know, I called Bo up at Crosley, and I mean, within, honestly, God. 30 seconds, you know, we had a team. And uh so it's just it's a it's a crazy, crazy story, but it's it's all true.
2: So leading into that season, did you guys um uh do quite a bit of testing leading up to it, or was it kind of like a Breyer uh twenty twenty three story where the first time you were able to really test it was going up and down the street before the race?
0: It was uh if that. Um there <laughs> wow. was there was there was zero testing. Um, I don't even know if he rode it up and down Gasoline Alley or not. Um, I, I think he did because I remember he said something about the engine being pretty smooth. Um, and uh, I do remember his first words. We go to we go to the Springfield Mile, and he goes out for practice session, and he comes back in, hands me the bike, and you know, and I'm like, you know, what do you think? And his words exactly were, were that motherfucker's fast.
1: And uh, I'm like that's
0: a good, it's a good thing, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, awesome. I mean, you you guys had success right away, right? So jumped on the bikes. I think you said his first race was third. Then he won, and obviously, you did very very well that first year. And what I always noticed about you and your program is you always switch things up. You were never esca- you never afraid to try something different. I mean, you would, you would win most of the miles and and a lot of the half miles, but then that whole off season, you weren't really settling. You're always trying to make the bike better and trying different things. And I think that's one thing in motorsports that successful, successful tuners and teams, they always are, they're always adapting because of technology and, you know, you always try to be better and that's something you, you always did. So from that, that first gen motorcycle, what did you notice that made you want to change, like things going into like the following season?
0: Well, it is funny. I mean, it's funny you notice a lot of that stuff. I mean, and and even in between races or races, uh, I can remember driving home. Whether it's you know on the, you know maybe coming back from Sacramento on the airplane. And you're just thinking, you know, even though, yeah, maybe you won, you, you're thinking, man, it just doesn't look like it was as easy for him to win. You know, like coming off a of four looks like you should have had more grip or you should have had a better engine package, you know, towards the latter part of the straightaway so you could win easier. I mean, I, I don't know how many times that that uh, that we would just have, you know, our conversations after you just won, you know, and then you're pissed when you ran second. Um but i I think I think having a shop like ours to have the facility to to basically build anything motorcycle wise um that you can uh and then the commitment to do that, and then next door having speedway engines um and then having Jeff and dink, I mean those guys were you know, they were over the top um on the on the program too i mean they just all they just wanted to work more and harder and whether or not it was you know rolling cams around or different exhaust packages or different frames or swing arms or i mean you name it um you know we just did it i mean that was something i think that we were at a everyone on the team loved the sport of the flat track they loved brian because he just fit in really really good and he appreciated what everyone is doing. It was just a circle of good stuff. And the harder we worked, the more he trained. And it was just a, a
2: circle of good things that, that just led to a lot of success. So with, with that in mind, if, um, if you had to look back on that, what, cause when I look at the, you know, the, uh, this time frame of like 2012, when he first showed up to when Brian got the championship, that it was kind of like the precursor to, uh you know the death of the Harley if you will um so it's an interesting time in um the history of american flat track um w- looking back during that kind of like four or five year window what was one um if you had to look like pros and cons of that bike um in that era what was one thing that you were uh genuinely surprised with how well uh the bike uh um you know did whether it be a part on the bike or results or and then one thing that you kind of um always uh struggled with kind of figuring out what's one thing on that bike that you know just was lacking and you wish uh that you could have figured out
0: well without really giving away too much too much details because you had given I got my pen ready much
2: (laughs) stuff (laughs) away I got my pen ready
0: I mean, so early on, you know, the the, the motorcycle we went to at Springfield, the, the bike we raced in 2012 and 13, um, that was a perimeter frame bike, no no frame on the bottom side. That was basically made all out of sheet metal that um, was hammer formed. Uh, so it was it was stiff. Swing arm was kind of a, a swing arm made like the old HRC motocross bikes in the 80s so it was also stiff um and and that thing when the track had grip it was super super good when the track was rough it was good but when the track was polished and slick you know like a lot of like more of them are these days um it it didn't after we raced the third year you know that frame didn't have, have enough Flex and you know, laterally and maybe torsionally um, to, to, to get grip. So, you know, kind of as your program's moving on, you're trying to get your chassis better. You're trying to get your engine program better. Um, So probably on, I don't know. I mean, everything was so good at first that you're trying to make it better. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to do if it's pretty good out of the box, but um, I think the more we got to know each other and the more he opened up, Um, We really started talking about some little micro, micro things on the motorcycle and the engine program that, you know, you're, you're, that they're so small. I mean, the sport of flat track just seems like it's never been involved in anything to where you are so little throttle for so many seconds through the corner and there's so little traction whether or not it's through, you know tires or it's the track prep or whatever the case is, so I mean it's an endless search for grip and trying to not give away you know any any power so you straight line speed. Um, but uh, so I mean I guess in a in a to to say maybe you know trying to get better on the short tracks was was obviously a big one. Uh, our mile program is already pretty good. So trying to get the engine managed to get some grip and the chassis, that was really probably on the con side pro side, you know, we've, we've had the mile packs pretty dialed in. Yeah.
2: There's yeah. a, uh, to follow up to that real quick, there's a really nice picture of, uh, your guys' Howerton, uh, Kawasaki chassis, that sideburn threw up on, uh, their website a number of years ago. So if anybody wants to look at a piece of artwork, go, uh, go on sideburns website and find that uh, the picture of it's just the naked chassis sitting on the ground and you can, yeah, that's a, that's a bike piece nudes. of art there, Ricky.
1: Yeah. Bike nudes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to follow up Ricky on the, you talk about the horsepower thing and I've heard that. I mean, I, you know, we hear, but I heard that when you guys set the track record at Springfield, you had a pretty modest motor package that year. Um, I'm sure you've, you've experienced some things with different power and you can almost have too much power, even for the miles. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, everyone, you know, the miles, everyone thinks, Oh, give me all the power. Give me all the power. It's like the best I ever did at Springfield mile. Um, the one year I got third, I had a, like, it was like 91 horsepower on my Cali. It, It was, wasn't very fast on the dyno, but it felt really fast on the track. Just, it was so hooked up. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, maybe you can give some insight on that too. Like, you know, you can have too much power as well. I mean, you don't want to just put all of it into it. You want to, it's gotta be a good power curve.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, we're all, we're all men. So we all think that, you know, uh, more <laughs> is better, but, uh, uh, it's, it is, it's that, and that's where you can, Yourself in the foot. I mean, yeah, that engine that has a track record, I think honestly, that thing was probably 94 horsepower back in the day. Um, and granted, you know, they were 38 millimeters back then, but a uh, different tire. Uh, the track seemed like, you know, it did take rubber. So it had a, actually, that year it was really good up in the middle of the track. It was, it was pretty, pretty nice. But um, no, for sure on the miles. I mean, you can. I mean, it's all about how how the power gets laid to the rear tire, and and it seems as years go by, we're you know we're evolving and we're using more data, and we're and we're you know we're putting a hundred percent of our belief in data, and so we live and die by that. And so when you go to the dyno, you know you see all these numbers, and you're trying to equate this to to Tracks and where you need power, where you don't. But man, I can I can remember times, say on the Indian deal, to where we had, you know, two different exhaust cams. And it was the only thing different was exhaust cams. And you go Springfield mile you send Brian out on one, you send him out on the other one. They both make. I mean, you can overlay their their power curves, and he'll come in and say, man, this one's great, and this one sucks. Um, so I mean, you've wrote enough stuff, Corey, that you know that you. that's not always the case whether it's it's exhaust packages or whatever the case and that's where either testing or just having a great guy like brian just just give you the scoop on what's good and bad and if you have enough stuff there to try you know at some point you know you're going to find something
2: so is, is there here now let's uh let's jump into the year 2016 uh, when you guys um win the championship and if we look back on the years leading up to that going into that year would you say that that was the most confident you had felt with that you know package and that bike um where you i mean you won it but it was that the first year that you thought maybe that you had a chance to win or um was there a, like a a year before where you like man i thought we had it that year but we couldn't get it done and kind of uh walk us uh, through what it was like leading into that uh that championship year and uh did you did you kind of think man we might have a shot at this <laughs>
0: No, I mean, so if you start off in 2012, you know, I mean, my deal with Brian was we were we were just going to run our Kawasaki on the miles, and he liked it so much that he, uh, you know, talked to sending one to, to Pomona with it. You know, he's like, man, the thing accelerates really good, and Pomona's got long straightaways, and it's usually got some decent grip in the corners. That thing would definitely be super good there. So we went there, and I think he qualified he qualified first, I think, and he ran third, maybe, um, and so we won the Twins Championship, and, which, I I mean, I didn't have any idea, there was a Twins Championship, we just, they announced it over the, you know, PA, and we're like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool, and, (laughs) and, um, so then, Brian's like, damn, you know, if we could get my 450 program better, you know, I mean, we're, we're like, I mean, we are the best out of the big bikes, so we, (laughs) We go to Starbucks after um, the last race. Me and Brian and Bo from Crosley, and you know, we're pretty excited when the twins deal, you know, had a great year. I mean, the camaraderie was just great. And uh, Brian says, uh, you know, Brian or Bo says, "Hey, what do you think about, you know, running the whole season, you know?" And and you know, shit, at that point, you know, you're on cloud nine, you know, you can do anything. And he said, "Yeah, shit, let's do it." So that was kind of where 13 led into and there was a lot of man that was really hard because we had to build more bikes and engine packages for half miles and put oh more people on it for traveling and all that stuff um so 13 came and uh yeah he had another great year one miles he was podium on you know half miles uh and we went into the last race in 13 actually in the, in the hunt for the overall championship with Baker. And so Baker almost crashed at Pomona. I mean, he was basically crashed and and saved it, but if he would have fallen off, we would have won the twins championship in 13. So we moved into 14. Um, we, we bought at that point. We Bought two CNJ frames. We cut the fronts off, modified those things, and built a whole bunch of stuff for him. Went racing. Those things were, those things were really good on the slick track. So we started off real good. He won a, I don't know. I think he won five races or something, in fourteen. And and honestly, we would uh see we go to Calistoga. We got two races left: Calistoga and Pomona. We're in the points lead. Um in the sight glass on the on the case breaks at Pomona. Um, so he got D, DQ'd. And let's see, we go to Pomona. He won Pomona we, and we lost by two points. So if we wouldn't have got DQ'd at Calistoga, we'd have won the with a, you know, championship by, what, 23 points or something. So that was a pretty big disappointment. Um, 15, we had just kind of an okay year. He still won a bunch of races, but we weren't really, you know, up in the major hunt for the championship. And then in 16, we built um, a couple of new bikes that we debuted at Phoenix and um, had a good year, uh, made some stuff. We made we made some stuff that really made our half mile package really, really, really good. And uh, it was so good that we just couldn't believe some of the places like rolling wheels. Um, uh, Rapid City, some of those places you know for Kawasaki to be super good at or tough and I mean he kind of cleaned house on some of those places so that really kind of put you know an exclamation point on the whole program and uh, won the championship uh, that year so that was pretty neat to finally get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah it was I think 2015 they finished in Vegas and that was a, sh- that was to finish the season on an indoor. That was a total crapshoot. I think he was actually maybe in it a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean, that was, that was a tough, tough round to finish the year on. And then 2016, obviously, really, really epic battle there for the, for the championship. It was pretty much whoever beat who at that point was, was going to win the title. Um, but uh, man, it. It's... Oh man, I, I I aged about
0: ten years during during, during that. <laughs> yeah, noise. the track was
1: brutal, uh, and yeah. dude, it was yeah, it was a crazy crazy battle there for the for the championship. But it was really cool because, like you said, you were so close, so many years, and it seemed like the Calistoga year when the when the sight glass broke and and they they black flagged. I mean, that was that was probably the year to, you know, the year that probably should have happened. And it just for, you know, for that shitty reason, it just didn't. So, um, but I had a question, um, obviously going, so you won the championship in 2016 and then you guys made a huge gamble to switch to the Indian motorcycle for the next season. I mean, you just won a title. You just developed, like you just mentioned, a really good half mile package. Um, you were second at New York half mile. You were, I think fourth. I'm looking here. Fourth, Lima. You won Sturgis. Uh, Charlotte was tenth, but I think his steel shoe fell off because I remember. I think it, I passed him it, in the middle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. yeah. He gifted me a spot, and uh, at Charlotte, I think I got like seventh or eighth. So and somebody
2: remember... else's hot shoe fell off in the middle of a, a race. That's cool. I'm glad that I'm not the only. <laughs> that was idiot a shocker, honestly. A
1: yeah, that was a shocker for for B Smith not to <laughs> have mm-hmm. his shoe screwed in. That was that was uh, that was crazy to me, but. I'm sure he, he screwed it in after that, but yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I got a spot, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, no, I mean, you made a huge gamble, right. To, to take what you just want a championship on five years of development and go to this Indian motorcycle. And what, uh, what gave y'all the confidence and what was the deciding factor in, in doing that?
0: Well, I mean, Kenny and Kenny and Jared had been testing that thing, you know, for quite a while. Um, That thing, kind of the backstory on that, you know, when Indian first started out, um, you know, the engine, it was a cool engine, it was small, it was light, but it didn't, and it made good power, but it it wasn't tractable, and through Kenny and Jared keeping developing it, and Indian being, you know, wise enough to listen to those two guys, and and making whatever they needed to, um, you know, we had we got to test the bike some too, you know, and, and knew that it was, it was awfully good. Um, and to have someone, you know, a big OEM like that. I mean, honestly, that's probably since, oh, since Honda had came in. I mean, it's really the first real factory deal since Honda came in. And so for them to want us to run their deal, I mean, that was a, that was probably the biggest kudos I've ever had, you know, I mean, they, they could have anyone do it, you know, so they have to have me manage that deal was, was pretty neat. And, uh, it was kind of nice cause, you know, we had money to do stuff and, and all the guys that had worked on my team for ever and ever and never got paid. Cause you know, it was, uh, I wouldn't say a low, it wasn't a low budget deal at all. I mean, Bo gave us whatever we needed, but, It just, uh, it was nice to be able to pay back the guys, paying them, you know, to go to the track and all that. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, it's it's, it's still to this day, it's still the the best, most tractable engine out there. So I don't know. I mean, honestly, it was a, it was, it was an easy decision, but it was kind of sad. You know, we never got to push our bike out with the number one plate on the Kawasaki. Um. And that kind of sucked, you know. It kind of sucked for us. Kind of sucked for Kawasaki to, you know, kind of, you know, flex her muscle and show, hey, you know, the little, the little ninja engine, you know, won the championship.
2: So, yeah. if you could do it all over again, so I'll put you on the spot for this one. If you could do it all over again, would you have <laughs> continued to ride out the uh, the Kawasaki, or are you, can you sleep at night knowing that, yep, that was the right decision?
0: Oh man, that that's tough. Um I no, I think I made the right. I mean, right decision. I mean, uh, okay. it was it it was a good decision. It was fun. It was um you know it was a, financially it was a good deal. And I think at some point, you know, you get to a point to where it's like, man, you know, uh being that you know my wife's always pissed because I'm not home. <laughs> I don't even know who my kids are because I'm <laughs> gone so much. I got a day job, you know some point actually be nice to make some money on this deal um so it was cool i mean for brian too to be able to 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 make the money i mean it's a shame that every guy in the paddock that's a good rider can't can't enjoy making money like that because that's the way it should and good mechanics should be able to make money being good mechanics in the sport um so no i mean I, i think it was it was the right decision
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and Corey, you'll, you'll definitely agree to this statement. This is not a lie at all. You quit flat tracking to become a podcast host just so you can make money. Right. Right. And that's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally.
1: Um, it's, uh, yeah, that the, the whole Indian motorcycle thing was really cool because, um, it put Jared and Brian and Brad, essentially all of them were on equal bikes and it was really cool to kind of see them go at it on, you know, and to, I mean, there were, I think the first, I want to say like four of the first five races, they swept the podium or some crazy stat. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but you know, I, I wanted to talk you, they, they had that standard Indian FTR 750 frame and I actually got to test it really, really early on as well at Charlotte and 16. I tested it with uh, when Jared was there, I, I wrote it for, I did an article in Cycle World for it. And I remember you and Brian showing up there at the track in a, in a, in a rental car and just kind of asking me what I thought of the bike and stuff. <laughs> and at that point, I had no idea that you guys were in talks to, to ride it as well. And you know, you, you rode the, rode the bike, you had a lot of success on it. Like Brian got second in the championship. Uh, and then I think he did another year on it in 18. And then you, you know, when you rode the, when you rode the FTR 750 you switched up quite a bit with with Brian's chassis i mean you you tried a lower frame what was what was the biggest problem with that motorcycle i mean for me personally when i rode it the couple times i rode it amazing bike but it felt really hard to ride being a smaller rider the gas tank was um really thick and wide and i just didn't have i mean it worked really really well obviously but it wasn't super comfortable being a smaller rider to kind of get a handle on. And was that something similar? Is that why you guys tried the, the lower frame? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's, <clears throat> I mean, Brian, It's not that he didn't like the way
0: um, that it handled, but yeah, he's, I mean, how tall are you? Are you
1: five, six? I, I think we're similar six? maybe. Yeah. 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 He.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, hell Brian's five, four, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was the whole goal, um, and you just touched on everything. I mean, really, the, where your legs are, the gas tank was really was super wide. It was real, you know, it was that high CG and with short legs, and you have up pipes, um, you know, it burns inside your thighs a lot, especially on the starts and stuff. So it wasn't anything to do really performance-wise. It was more just trying to get him, um, you know, the FTR is more kind of like a, 450 you kind of sit <clears throat> on top of the thing you don't sit in it like an old school flat track bike and and that sitting in it is what he likes that feel and so that's, that's what we're looking at so in order to get that we basically took <clears throat> the engine and rotated it around the counter shaft sprocket uh, rotated it down to move the whole air cleaner assembly forward and down to get him a little farther forward and <clears throat> just to lower everything and it and it did um we just never we went to muskogee to test it we got rained out and um never really you know and then he well went straight to texas from there he broke his leg (laughs) gary says all right park that thing so we did and uh that was into into that for what uh 18 that was um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, we built four of those things you know, two for Brad and two for Brian. And and uh, I still got I think I got mad. I threw one of them in the garbage. Um, I gave one to Brian, one got totaled, and then I kept the other one. So <laughs> that's where the four went.
2: So, what I'm hearing so far is as uh, you, Brian is he's he's throwing hot shoes, he's breaking stuff. Um, everybody's <laughs> getting mad. And no, I'm just kidding. Um, so leading up into kind of 2019, when you guys switched back to Cowie, cause that was kind of a, like a gasp, if you will, for the sport, what was, um, and again, big, uh, put you on the spot type, uh, uh, guy here. So what do you, what was the catalyst for you guys to just kind of like, all right, we've got to go back to Cowie, um, and kind of go back to what our bread and butter is. What, uh, what was that nail in the coffin?
0: Well, probably at the end of the day, the, the, the total money that we were getting from Indy, and that was a lot of money, but it wasn't it wasn't enough to keep um, enough guys on the team to keep them happy, uh, to have enough money to, to go testing and all that stuff. And it sounds crazy, but it just at the end of the day, that's just what it was. And so I thought, well, if if that's the case, and I knew Gary, you know, I mean, I think those guys were probably maxed out on budget wise. So uh, and Bo from Crosley wanted <clears throat> to get the team back together. So uh, kind of about two thirds of the way through 18, that was kind of the decision uh, we made. And that was a hard, that was a hard call to Gary. Cause I mean, I really got along great with him and still do. I mean, he's a great guy and he was a great boss. Yeah. So
2: to follow up on that one real quick, Corey, if you look at the size of uh in today's uh, you know, pits with uh Essence, in, um, do you kind of just sometimes find yourself uh, you know, just like look at, thinking and turning like, man, if we'd have had that kind of uh you know, that kind of support with that larger crew, we could have probably done something. Is that kind of is that kind of something that's kind of left in your uh mm-hmm. in the you know in your mouth when you think back in those days? Well, if, if if I look
0: at <clears throat> every year that I was involved, even on the on the factory deal, um, I you know I have a day job from eight five eight six whatever. So <clears throat> everything that I did involved in the sport was after hours or on the weekend yeah. uh, or both. And so it's it was kind of one of those deals. Either you got to make the switch and do the flat track deal full-time, all the time, um, to do it really right. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, hell, I've been, I've been at, at, at my shop for 30 years. And so I'm like, man, I can't do that. It'd just be the wrong thing to do. However, the racing bug, you know, just, it gets you and it's <clears throat> all you can think about, you know, you're sleeping, you wake up and you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it, you know, you, <laughs> everywhere you go, you're thinking about it. And so that was, it was, Tough. I don't think I don't think we needed any more any more money or anything. I mean, Bo always gave us anything and everything we needed there. It was just um I needed I needed to make that switch and just say, okay, I that's what I'm doing, and and I just I couldn't do that. You know, when 19 came, uh, I mean, if you want me to just to be honest, what happened there? So 19 comes, we built some bikes that were pretty similar to the 16 bike. Uh, we knew how the indian engine ran obviously uh we raced we raced it <clears throat> head to head at, at uh, santa rosa in 16 when joe was on it and we knew our kawasaki could just kill it in a straight line um traction was getting better for us obviously traction for the indian was always good but so we were pretty confident in some rules happened where you had to be what 10, 105 compliant i think it was and <clears throat> when we put our engine program together basically the same thing that we had at the end of 16 uh we based we we had to build exhaust systems to be under the 105 and so we went to the dyno to do our first runs before we were going to go testing <laughs> ran the thing up and up and down the dyno and and I'm looking at the, the dyno curve, and I'm like, something's fucking wrong. This this doesn't look right. So I look at Jeff and Dink, and <clears throat> I said, uh, are these the same cams that we had in the 16? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, are they timed the same? And they're like, yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was a big enough deal. They took the cam covers off and, and re- redegreed them. And they're like, yeah, no, everything's exactly the same. And so the inserts in that whole 105 deal absolutely clobbered our engine package that we had, and all the way from 12 to 16, it 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 made it from where the Kawasaki had magic on acceleration to just being a a turd. We went and tested. I mean, you could watch Brian at that place
1: uh, in South Carolina.
0: I mean, come off the corner, it looked like a fucking
1: moped. Yeah. And it's actually crazy too, that we still do the sound thing because it it was really only for one track. It was that, that turf paradise track where they got weird about the sound and we still have, we still follow sound guidelines. And I know in motocross, they, they have them and they're, they're actually more strict than we are. But, um, Hey, I mean, it's, if you go to any world of outlaw race, those cars are so loud and, people love that sound and they love that part of going to those races. And yeah, it's just crazy too, because back then when you're, you know, you're talking those years, they used to test sound pretty frequently. And now the sound testing is just so it's kind of half ass. I mean, we, we have a, well we've you know, talked on this podcast before about
2: how what's one of the the best parts about flat track racing is the sound of the damn
1: twins. Like,
2: you know, that's yeah. just, that gets yeah. people in the seats. So, yeah, <laughs> don't quiet yeah. them,
1: get them louder. Well, and it just, like I said, just it's fine if they're going to enforce the sound testing, but I know for a fact there's singles out there that will not pass sound. If they, you know, they fully do the testing, there's no way they're passing sound. And I saw, I saw goes with one, like one or two rings off the back. They're loud as fuck. And, and they, nobody says anything. It's like, it's, yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's kind of frustrating. Sorry. The, the whole sound thing still, still kind of gets me going. But, but anyway, that's, that's super interesting because I was kind of curious on, on that. I mean, he, he had a couple good results there on the Cali, but it was definitely, definitely different. And, um, I, I did want to touch upon it. I know it's kind of a tough, a tough year, whatever, whatever, but the, the Harley XG program, I, I'm really interested. In your thoughts on that, because you ended up going over there and helping Terry Vance and um Mr. Hines. And that was there was a lot of hope in that program. I still laugh at the um, I don't laugh, but the the whole Harley versus Indian hype prior to that first year, it literally wasn't even close. And and then you came on board the program and that actually come a long way, like me personally, racing it, racing against it in Production Twins. They've done a really good job with it in that class. But uh just wanted to get some some of your thoughts on that program and, and your challenges there.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was tough. And I'd say starting off, uh, what year was that, 20? Um, so with that being COVID year, uh, I the biggest nail in the coffin with that program was was every race that we raced once they started racing it went back to back doubleheader almost back to back so we tested a lot i mean terry Byron are great they were also really fun guys to work with um and i mean they were good about giving you whatever you wanted there too um and harley was was uh was good guys on all the technical calls and stuff with him but We tested a lot. We tested Terre Haute. We tested down South Carolina in a bunch of places, made different um, frames, at different cams and different exhausts and blah, 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 blah. And felt like the bike definitely got better. And at the very last parts of the testing, you know, Brian said, I actually like the feel of the Harley motorcycle better than the Indian. You know, I can't remember – lap times what they were. I think they were actually pretty close, which was, which is, you know, what we're looking for, obviously. Um, but when we went to the first race, I can't remember the hell it was because we had to come back from Daytona that year. Um, it was Volusia, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, we went to Volusia and had pretty dismal results. And, and, you know, by the time we got back to Indy I mean for me you know I'm all I'm, I'm all about development and stuff and I'm wanting to do as much as you can but when the rig would get back there's so many people involved and so many engines and stuff that Steve was pretty much the only guy building engines and so it was about all he could do just to overhaul all the engines and make sure the things were staying reliable so there wasn't really um, at that point almost any room for testing uh, and then you know, at the end of the year, with the vice president, and the CEO, and all those guys getting um, fired up at Harley, you know, I mean that that was kind of the implosion of that whole that whole team. So yeah, that was was uh, that was kind of a shitter deal. I mean, it's uh, I mean you've tested a lot, and you can go and you can test and you can feel, man, the bike is a whole bunch better. But at the end of the day, until you race guys, you just you know, it's a crapshoot.
2: So with with that, where have you been, uh, you know, been paying attention to uh, the uh, the season and uh, the results that just came about? Have you did you pay attention to uh, this season?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I not mean, I, I yeah. still love the sport. I mean, I, I watch okay. it on fans choice. I went to Springfield and um, yeah, I mean, I like probably know probably more now that i'm not just secluded to my own pit than i did whenever i was involved
2: so did the uh so with that in mind did the season play out about uh how you kind of thought it would play out with uh you know the indian getting another championship with uh, all the rules tink- uh, tinkering over the years did was the were the were the results about what uh ricky howardson would have uh guessed
0: yeah i'd say 100 percent. i mean you you think uh how good jared is how how good <clears throat> kenny is and kenny i think doesn't get enough credit for what he does because i mean the man's just uh i mean he, he he's just so good in, in that sport and he, he's really good about keeping it simple i mean essence and you know he's got the he's got some super super smart motorcycle mechanics and engineers and designers and all kinds of stuff over there but um you know, it goes back to keeping it simple, uh, and that's where Kenny's pretty good. I mean, yeah, you look at the essence and deal; they've got heavier wheels, heavy flywheels, tractor control. They got forty millimeter, I think. They got um, unlimited revs to the engine. I mean, it's got all that stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, there's still it's still an OEM engine competing against an engine that was that was done. Is a clean sheet for the sport of flat track, you know, uh, yeah. a lot like an RS 750 or a Cosworth IndyCar engine compared to a small block Ford at the Indy 500, or a small block Chevy. You know, I mean, you just know which one's going to win. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's Tim, Tim got close, but unfortunately, you know, the last race for those guys was a doubleheader at Springfield. And out of all the miles, you know, that's that mile in particular. You know, and I can remember Skip telling me in 2012, whenever I was asking him hundreds of questions all the time, you know, I said, How about Springfield? You know, what kind of, you know, do you need a lot of power there, a little power? He said, No, you need a good handled motorcycle. You know, you, Sacramento and Indy Mile, you need a real good engine, but Springfield, you really got to get through the corners. And, and that's where the Indian and Jared and Kenny, I mean, they're, they're just badass at that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I um I was kind of curious on your thoughts there with the uh Essenson Yamaha because you you build one of the most innovative parallel twins we've ever seen in the sport. And now what Essenson is doing with with their bikes, they're they're really, really cool motorcycles. So it's it's cool to get some some of your thoughts there. And looking forward, I mean, what what's the series look like for you like in your opinion for the next five years? I mean, obviously Breyer, he came in this year and And he did very, very well for his first year on the, on the KTM. And, um, we have the essence and bikes out there that are, are, man, they work good everywhere. And, and Mies is still winning on the Indian motorcycle, but he's kind of the only one sort of doing it. Um, actually, is he the only Indian? I think he's the only Indian motorcycle that won this year. So yeah, what is, uh, what's your outlook (laughs) and, and when are you building it? When are you building a new bike to to come back? (laughs)
0: well i don't know about the comeback but i am building um i took a i don't know i had this this vision or thought process you know all the engines are getting so similar in architecture uh if you look at like the new suzuki the new honda the kiwi's always been that way the yamaha the ktm i mean they're all parallel twins now and yeah some of them have a little bit different crankcase shapes Here and there but they're pretty close generally speaking so um i don't know this was probably four or five months ago i've got computer models for a fair bit of those those engines and and so i thought you know i wonder if you could build a frame or a or a a bike and and have every one of those engines fit in it so (laughs) just being, being bored that i didn't have a team anymore i just every night, I'd just burn the midnight oil and just draw. And so I had all the engines um, in and out of this frame and kept moving frame rails and tried to keep it as small as I could, but yet still fit all the engines in there. And so I finally had a pretty cool little bike that um, you could fit. Obviously, I don't have a Honda yet, but I'm going to get one and scan it to see if it'll fit in there. So I built a motorcycle, basically, that you could fit all the engines in. And yeah, there's different engine mounting plates in them, but the but the frame and the swing arm, the subframe, all that stuff uh, is the same. And I thought, man, that'd be cool. You know, if a guy bought a frame set or a or a chassis, and say, you know, he's running KTM, and and when the Honda gets here in the US. Uh, you know they put a deal together with the Honda and they got a better contingency, so they switch engines and they wouldn't have to build a complete different motorcycle. There'd be a few accessories, exhausts, and things like that, obviously, be different. But they could just shoehorn the Honda in there and and uh, relatively easy and and go racing So that's what I took to Springfield. Um, just kind of put it on display there for some people to look at, and they got it got a lot of uh, good eyeballs on it. But it was it was fun doing it i still enjoyed
2: building motorcycles as much as i ever did that is uh very interesting information um i just i sit and think about how well we know that if if there's one constant in life it's that aft's twins rules are not constant so um (laughs) there's definitely there's definitely room uh for them to uh shoehorn a uh a production chassis. Have and you built a for single ever, bikes, Ricky?
1: So. I'm going singles racing next year. Cody Cop's not that good, so we're going to go with <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Cody's we can past his prime. We could build a Power <laughs> <hour> 10 450. <laughs> well,
0: I do. uh You saw my torsion bar, bike, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I still haven't finished them. I got two of those. I, I still think that a, a torsion bar rear suspension um would be if he went to a place that was rough, um, would just be like riding a friggin' Cadillac across it. Cause you know, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if, what the number is. probably 99.5% of all sprint cars are, you know, crossbar torsion bar yep. um, suspension. And there's a good reason for that. You know, the spring base is really, really long and, <clears throat> uh, it would probably take a, 30 inch coil spring to equal the same as is you know what this torsion bar is so it's weird um being that you can disconnect the shock off of this bike and just feel just the spring itself and when you push it down um the rebound is so so mellow compared to a coil spring with the rebound energy of it so on the shock side of it you know you just need a lot lot less rebound in the shock so um if i ever (laughs) if i forget it finished i'll have to have someone that knows what they're doing ride it on the track or something
2: yeah well last week we were talking about if we uh if we win the lottery and uh so i think if we win the lottery we'll uh we'll get that uh that whole that whole package going
0: (laughs) (laughs) i told someone the other day i said what we need to do is actually just put a date okay here's we're going to race it on the state because i'm sure that if i wouldn't have met brian and, uh, and we didn't actually go to Springfield mile in 2012, that bike ride wouldn't even be finished. <laughs> it, would, I got, it would It'd be a
1: street tracker. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a hell of a grocery getter. I got two more questions for you. Um, and then we'll wrap it up. Let you go. But if watching the, um, like watching the series now and you can, you can pick a singles or twins rider. Like if you had to do a three-year plan with, uh, with a rider right now, like a current rider, which rider would you hire to ride your bikes?
0: Do I have to be just a like, lot like, do I have to just give you one guy right now? Is you can give it, me a couple. Yeah. A couple of
1: considerations. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, obviously Jared's a great rider, but he's kind of at, at the end of his career, he could still get it done. Um, but I mean, I, I don't know. If I look at the twin side of it, I mean, Briar is just, I mean, he's, he reminds me a lot of Ricky Graham watching him ride, how he sits on the right rear corner of the seat. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's super young, he's super ballsy, but he's, I mean, as seen at Springfield, he, that's the first time I've ever seen him just really, really ride smart. He didn't want to pass Jared to show him where he was better than him. He just waited, waited, waited patiently and, and, and just beat him. And I mean, that's not the ideal package he was on, but he, he just made that damn thing work. And that's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you can remember, Corey, on 20, 2020 Indy Mile, he was third. Brian was second. I think Mies might have been leading. They go into turn one after they take in the white flag. And Briar passes, both of them on the high side, getting into one. And I'll never forget, when we're standing on the podium. And we were pretty pumped. You know, Harley got on. It's about the second or third race we were on. And um, we're on the podium. And Brian and Jared took their helmets off. And they looked at each other. And they're just like. How in the fuck did he do that?
1: <laughs> and, yeah. and he want that was any model that he wanted. It's funny you uh, referenced him, <clears throat> like Ricky Graham riding the right side of the seat because we literally just talked about that. I think a pod like one or two podcasts ago where he rides on the on the right side of the seat. And when I when Chris Carr was kind of my rider coach for a couple years, he was. He was trying to get me a ride like Briar. He's like, watch Briar. I'm like, fuck, I can watch all the video you show me. I cannot do that. <laughs> like, that is not what C Tex is capable of. I cannot ride the bike like that. So uh, it was just funny. he showed me these video clips. I'm like, yeah, man, I see it. It's like um, you know, w- watching Mark McGuire hit a home run. Like, I cannot do I mean I if I took a ton of steroids, maybe, but <laughs> yeah. it's like, bro, I cannot do what he's doing. So um, yeah, that was super interesting. And and kind of my last question, this is uh, you know, we could kind of it's an unfiltered podcast and we didn't we usually ask the riders this and i was curious on your end of it as well um do you have any tuner rivalries um any any tuner (laughs) like any rivalries as far as another tuner or crew chief or anybody you sort of really wanted to whoop their asses when you were racing yeah i'll answer that in, in
0: two scenarios um yeah I mean Tolbert I mean we raced those guys week in and week out and it was it was it was cool because there's a, I think there was a lot of respect both directions however when we got to the track you know like I mean like Craig Rogers you know like he'd look you know he'd walk past him in the in the pits and he just kind of you he stared at you you could tell me hey, I don't think this guy likes me you know and you're like hey you know what fuck him we're here to win the race you know and yeah, so we did have a huge rivalry against that whole that whole team. Um and I mean I'm I'm one of Kenny's biggest fans, but at the time, yeah, for sure. I mean, um it's not that you wanted him to fall over and die or anything, but you definitely did didn't want to beat him, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you had to pick green shoelaces or or a green chain, what would it be? neither because bill warner had both <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, i love so, it so yeah I think that ends, uh i think that answers my question i was going to be who you're going to go get a get a beer with kenny or bill so i think that might answer that question yeah, kenny
1: yeah definitely kenny <laughs> I'd, yeah I'd,
0: I'd put i'd put different things in the glass for each one of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, i love it man it's so good to talk to you man it's uh it's cool to just hear that, just get some insight in your knowledge, and uh, and just hear that you still follow the sport and you're working on stuff to, to still be involved in some way. So uh, yeah, man, appreciate you coming on, and it's uh, it was a lot of fun, and I think the fans are gonna really love this one. And thanks for thanks for taking the time.
0: Well, I was surprised when I seen you text. I was like, huh, someone actually wants uh, to have some old guy. I don't know if I'm a, a has been, but I'm like, well. It's I'm just getting Better a has
1: been than never I never was, man. I actually <laughs> yeah. there's actually a guy on Facebook, man, he's a huge Howerton fan. His name's Eric, and he just always hammers me and always calls me a has been. I'm like, listen, motherfucker, at least I'm it's better than it never was. So <laughs> so <laughs> No I mean, dude,
0: dude, you had you you had your Yamaha program dialed. I mean, honestly, um shit, when the super twins kind of first came out, you know, I'm like I'm like, man, he's, he's got his engine deal pretty dialed in he's riding good. Cause I mean, lap time wise, you were, I mean, shit, you were right there. And even though you're riding in the other class, it was pretty amazing.
2: Yeah.
1: I God appreciate damn it, that, he's man. never
0: going to yeah.
2: shut up now. That is nah, that,
1: That's I, Hey, <laughs> any compliment. I'll, I'll take anything from Ricky Howard man. I appreciate that. I yeah, got a lot absolutely. of respect for you, buddy. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of people have requested you over, over the, t- you know, the last couple years, honestly. And, I finally was like, man, I, I'd love to have Ricky on. But I, like I said, I didn't know you too well. I didn't know if you'd want to come on. So definitely appreciate you, you know, taking some time and, and chatting. Um, and we'll definitely stay in touch and hopefully talk to you and see you soon.
0: Yep, you bet. Thanks, you
1: guys. All right. Take care, Ricky. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. Oh, that was one of my favorite pods, Eric. That was that was sick. That was man. I that was
2: refreshingly open. Yeah. I that was so cool. He just didn't care. Just, just yeah. fuck it, and he just he'd answer. That was so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, epic, epic show. And oh man, I I would have done anything to race one of those Crosley bikes back in fifteen sixteen. I mean, they when I got the ride at a Springfield, it was just so much fun to ride and. The motor, the biggest takeaways that I I, I got from riding that bike when it was 2016, when he won the championship was it, um, it handled really, really well. And I think that's one thing everyone talks about how fast the bikes were, but the handling was unreal, like anything I've ever ridden where the first two laps on it, I can take my hand off middle of the corner and just, I felt so comfy riding that bike. And do you think uh, people with, okay, go ahead. Yep. And then the other thing was it, it just revved a lot different. Um, it had a really, it like revved up really high off the corner, but it never slowed down. It was revving high and it just kept pulling. Um, there was no waiting. Like you gave it, you gave it throttle and it just carried like a higher RPM all the way down the straightaway than the bike I was riding. Um, so those two biggest takeaways, like I don't, I don't think it was that much faster i just think they had they did a really good job with the chassis and the handling and it's also underrated with like jeff gordon and, and those guys were doing with the motor as well i mean it really was a, a total team effort uh, with ricky and jeff and dink and brian is a phenomenal rider and it was fun to watch man it was uh it was frustrating as a rider it's like fuck dude nobody can even like he would just play with people on the mile um, I mean, the only one that kind of could kind of conquer him was, uh, was cool Beth with like a couple last lap, crazy cool Beth moves. And, you know, occasionally Meese would, you know, beat him on the half miles, obviously, but
2: yeah, just, uh, I wonder with the, um, you know, when you talk about, cause you, you know, I just can't stop looking at the, the way, like the, if you would the lack of a better term, like basically the cockpit, you know, that five foot four Brian Smith cockpit on that uh Crosley Cowie like how unique that is and I just wonder how if you if you put everybody in the pit on that bike I just wonder how people would handle that because it's just it's got to be such a unique feel and I there's a part of me that wonders if possibly the way that it sits being so funky is if people that have more dtx experience than others would respond better to that i think they would respond
1: worse i think i think it's okay that the reason i loved it so much is because it's set up so much it's set up for smaller riders i mean brian he really built that frame around brian it wasn't like he built the frame well i guess he did initially he just built a street tracker but in in years Mm -hmm. to come he really catered to Brian, like he, he made that chassis fit, what felt, what was comfortable. And a lot of flat track is, uh, comfort is more important than like, you could put a great handling motorcycle in front of somebody and like, you could take Jared Meese's Indian and I could ride it and I might hate it. Um, comfort is speed. And that's one thing where I think a lot of people just overlook and a lot of old school tuners as well. It's like, well, you know, I rode for Babe DeMay and, JR Schnabel was like the complete opposite of me, rider and build and he gave me his bike to ride one time and I'm like dude it wouldn't even move. He's like well JR rides it's like bro JR's fucking way different than me. So yeah, yeah. Um he really did a great job working with his rider to come up with a package and and I would have loved to seen Shayna ride one of those Crosley bikes too. Um just, you know, just a, a twin that I think that really would have fit her. Her frame and I'll
2: throw this one out for you, right? So you look at bikes that have unique uh setups, and the ones that jump out to me are the Crosley Cowie and the new essence in bikes. They kind of seem like you're really like huddling over kind of like that engine. And I um what do you think? Or do you think there's a there would be any similarities to how those almost shrouds are built and how Brian or like maybe Dallas or JD would ride do you
1: see any similarities or do you think that they're a little separate I mean they're definitely different uh the essence and bikes look like they sit up a lot higher in the back um, okay I've never ridden obviously I've never ridden one of their of their bikes I tried to ride one at I think over the winter in Florida but JD he he didn't really want me riding his bike so uh <laughs> no, just <kidding>. I mean <laughs> if uh if Nick or Tommy Hayden or tim is listening i'll i'll ride that sucker if you want me to just to try it but um yeah i I don't know man i mean no i mean not to take anything away from what essenson's doing but i mean ricky's bikes are just special i mean when he would roll out like that one bike that it like didn't have like a gas tank it was really narrow Mm -hmm. and they ended up not really racing it i don't think i think he practiced it but for whatever reason i should have asked him why they didn't run that bike but it was just intimidating to look at it's like dude this thing is it's like fighter jet shit. I mean, it was yeah. just, just awesome. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah. There's so much we could talk about breakdown with the bikes and, and comparing them and things like that. But you brought up the, you know, we're, we'll wrap this up here in a bit, but you brought up the, uh, the question, we had a fan question and we, we kind of went over it last week, but we cut it from the pod cause I totally jacked up the, the second and third parts of it. And it was, uh, It was, if C-Tex hit the lottery, what riders would you hire for singles and twins? What bike are you riding? And who is wrenching? So I'm going to go with you first, Eric. Like, who would you pick? Who is the tuner? And what's the bike?
2: Yeah, um, I'm sticking to my guns here. If, If Eric wins the lottery, I am pushing the penny stocks. I am throwing all my money on the riders that finished in last place and i am getting a tim essenson style pit crew i want to see if the kids that were in last place this year can't run up front i want to see the difference in skill the difference in uh you know just the little things that everybody talks about within this sport i want to put it to the test and i want to see if it is just that not not simple simple but is it just that clear and cut that it's it's skill It's it, the, the top is the top because of skill or is it availability of resources? So I'm doing a scientific experiment on the
1: sport. So I'm going to follow up on that. If you jump, if you jumped on Dallas's bike, how would you finish? I would not
2: finish at all. I would blow that fucking <laughs> bike up because listen to what Ricky was saying about uh, the essence in bikes there just blew my fucking mind. Like uh, traction control, like what the hell is that? Give me a carburetor. I would, no, there'd be no way that I'd
1: know how to ride that bike.
2: No, that yeah. fuck would be in second gear all the way around the track.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, it, they definitely would do better than what they're on. Um, but I also don't think there's, you you have the riders in the back of the pack, and I don't, you know, maybe they'll go half half second quicker, but I think where the biggest see? difference in bikes like that is is just finding a couple tents at the top, which is harder. It's harder to find mm-hmm. two tents at the top than it is to find two seconds toward the back. I mean it uh Do you think t- there's a rider in the back right now, one that just needs that
2: exposure, just needs that opportunity that could surprise some people though like and yeah i'm not gonna put you on the spot and say who it is but do you think there's someone floating back there that if given the right
1: opportunity they would raise some fucking eyebrows though uh i think the biggest one i'm looking at the points right now uh, i'm looking at bronson um for whatever yeah. reason he really struggled with that ktm this year and um he's underrated how 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 talented he is and He's not. He's not a rider that should be finishing. I mean, I'm looking at thirteenth, tenth, eleventh, eleventh, tenth, sixteenth, eleventh, seven. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at Bronson. I'm looking at Vanderkoy. I think Vanderkoy, with the right opportunity and you know some grind, I think he could <laughs> he could be up there battling with with those front runners more consistently. But anybody down at like the the bottom, I mean, no. I mean, they like I said, I think they could finish a little bit better. But um, okay, I don't see anybody. I mean, I'm looking at Janish. I really feel Janish is that guy where he could be, he -hmm. could be a top, you know, he could finish in the top five some races and he could, you know, possibly get on the podium and, and, and do well, um, on the right bike. But I don't know. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe in the singles class, maybe you could look at that a little bit more, but, um, as far as like what I'm doing, I mean, I'm like to answer the question. I mean, I'm obviously, obviously I'm going to be biased (laughs) because it's my team. (laughs) Uh, and I want to not just talented guys, but I'm going to put book guys that I, I haven't, you know, I'm invested in and I want to work with, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm obviously probably going to go red Shaw. Uh, I think Evan, yeah. Evan's really underrated. Um, you know, obviously he won the horizon award, but we've seen horizon award winners win that award and and not do much at the pro level. But from what, what I've seen from him at outlaw races and, and stuff like that with the pros, I, I think he's, He's a little bit underrated, so I, I would. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm biased, but I'm going to go with Evan on the single. He's and, on my team.
2: He's uh, he's getting a haircut though, so too tall. <laughs> if you're fine. listening, cut that goddamn and, haircut.
1: Yeah, and Trent, like <laughs> Evan and Trent, and like those those two are my guys, and and they're definitely. I, I still don't think Trent has done what he's capable of. He's he's also underrated. Like he got a couple wins this year, but I mean, we were prior to the season I, we were thinking five or six wins, uh, and he got two, so. And that was, you know, prior to that, he didn't have any wins, and his off season was so good. I was, you know, I was me and Evan Trent. We were, you know, we th- really thought Trent could have got five or six wins. So, I think uh, they have a good program. I just think he had a couple, couple bad races, and it was a, an adjustment time for him. Uh, and obviously, Cody. It, it's, I mean, I could just cherry pick and take, you know, try to. If I had an unlimited lottery, I could just, you know, throw a bunch of money at Cody and and put him on. But I think on a single, the bike I'm picking. I, I think I'm going with the KTM, honestly. Uh the KTM or the Yamaha. The Yamaha is a great motorcycle. It's just I just the riders that I'm gonna go with, I think they're better suited for the steel frame. Uh the way Evan rides, the way Trent rides. Um Trent obviously rides a Honda really well, but I really like the the steel frame bikes, the way they handle on the uh I'm gonna
2: ask a dumb question, but it's what my job is on this podcast. Are the uh Husqvarna's and gas gases, are they steel frame as well?
1: Yeah, they're all they're all similar. Um okay. the, the 23 KTM and the 23 Husky is a little bit different than the 22 Husky and okay. KTM. They changed it quite a bit, but the 23 Gas gas is like the set the same generation frame as the 22 KTM and Husky, if that makes sense. Um yeah. so it's a little bit different. The chassis, I think, handle similar. I have a 22 KTM that I I what's what I, the bike I want on this weekend in Canada, but I also rode the uh our husky 23s with the first impression team this year and and they didn't feel that different to me. So so I would go with that and uh I don't know though man a, a fucking star racing yamaha 450 like in flat track would be would be freaking awesome. So that's a that's a that's a tough one and as far as a tuner for the 450 program ooh I don't know, man, you almost need a tuner. You almost need a crew chief and an engine builder. So yeah. I guess like, I don't know. That's a tough one on a single. Cause I have a lot of friends that spot. are, Let's I have a go. lot of friends come that on. are crew chiefs. And yeah, I know you need to ruffle some feathers. Let's go. Crew chief on the single. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll come back to that this on a, is, oh, on a twin, boring. on a twin. People are probably already, already assuming I'm, I'm going to go with Briar. <laughs> Uh, We'd probably kill each other after the first race. We'd probably just be throwing screwdrivers at each other in the pit, but he's uh, I think the most talented rider. Um, You can't go wrong with Dallas or obviously Ricky said Jared can still obviously get the job done, but uh, Dallas is, is just amazing. I love watching Dallas ride a bike. He's so, so good um, riding and mentally. He's just so strong, but again, it's my team. And if I have, if I hit the lottery and I don't, pay my brother-in-law money <laughs> i feel like you know i, I should pick briar um i w- I don't know the brand i mean i'm a blue crew guy i really like the yamahas i really do i mean i don't think the ktms are bad but i still think the yamaha is a better platform right now um the indian ftr 750 if they didn't restrict it and all that other shit i, w- I would stick with the indian motorcycle but i don't know how invested they're going to be in years to come and that manufacturer support would be crucial i feel so KTM and Yamaha, they both, they both seem like they have an interest in the sport somewhat, I, you know, it'd be nice to have more, but I'd probably go with one of those brands. And I mean, it's hard to argue against Tolbert. Like I really, mm-hmm. I really like Tolbert, but I really, I mean, if we're getting for, you know, I'm not trying to be that guy just cause we had him on the podcast, but Ricky is, is just phenomenal as well. I would try to throw some money at Ricky Cause he all through those years when he was racing, he mentioned that he still worked a full-time job. So if we could pay him that's enough insane. money, we hit the lottery, you know, pay him. What, what could Ricky Howard do if he wasn't working a full-time job? So I think that's, yeah. that's underrated too, that he was able to. If
2: you go back in a lot of the interviews with Ricky, uh most of the times that he stepped away, he mentioned his job. He mentioned his family. So
1: if that was not You never mentioned experience. what his job was. Maybe he was just like a stripper part time, and he just yeah. you know d- did know. that on the side or something. No, yeah. I mean I'm sh- yeah, he's an uh, engineer, so I'm sure it's something super important. I I really we should ask him what he does. I don't even know. Do you know? So good. I, have no I thought I thought he was a CIA operative. <laughs> I, have <no> <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue. I mean, I know like he went to college for engineering, so. Those type Probably of, like that, yeah. those type of degrees, they, they pay pretty good money during the week. So I'm sure. Yeah. He's obviously a
2: nerd, whatever he does for a, a job, you know, never, yeah. never met somebody that goes to engineering school. that isn't a nerd. He's a big cyclist too. <laughs> he's
1: uh he's an animal oh, that's on, cool. a, on a bicycle. I've heard. Yeah. So I've heard that from the boys that go cycling and, and, uh, and Ricky hangs right with them. So he's, uh badass mountain bike and yeah. He's, Speaking he's of that, well. your
2: boy got uh, the clearance to get back on his bicycle this week. So I saw
1: you uh, on the old station. Hallelujah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Save some for the rest yeah. of us, dude. I saw that. <laughs> That's good. You're going to come back just freaking ready on that, you know, the program just grinding yeah, ready dude. for ready for yeah, the Salem. What is it? Salem indoors. Is that what you're doing?
2: Yeah. 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 Just going to be chomping at the bit with just one, one focus, one focus, amateur nationals. That's I it. like it. That's, That's my focus,
1: too. So fucking good you luck. Go. You got to come rider. through the bear, baby. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm going to run every amateur class, every vet class. I'm, Let's go. I think you can only ride four classes. But, yeah, I'd like to win the Horizon Award. I was always, you know, my goal uh, as an amateur, mm-hmm. and I never won it. This- so I'm going to. The, Come back the and, setting the setting sunset horizon <laughs> The people are fucking opening up their email right now emailing ama i heard <laughs> on the pod he's, he's riding the amateur nationals and he's not eligible for the horizon is he <laughs> so uh yeah that's funny i told Renshaw, I was like, "Yeah, dude you're lucky it wasn't you know next year wasn't your horizon award year you wouldn't have had that trophy i'd, I'd be sitting in my shelf but <laughs> now he probably would whooped my ass but i'm just talking shit these kids are fast but yeah. Yeah. It's uh that was a good pod, dude. I, I had a lot of fun with that. Appreciate everybody for uh for supporting what we're doing. We actually I spent probably two hours this morning, Eric, while you were sleeping on the West Coast. I put together a, an outline on it's called Tank Slap and Revamp 2024. So yes. um I'm kind of at a point in this podcast where I don't want to say I, I'm half assing it, but I'm not working to grow it or change things around because I just I'm so busy with other things Mm -hmm. in my life. And, um, you know, I've never really settled in jobs I've been doing. I always try to get better, whether it's promoting races or my race program or things with cruise, uh, Moto America mini cup, you know, I always want to make things better. And I've kind of, I've kind of been complacent with the podcast. So we're going to change things up here a little bit in, uh, for next year. And I, you know, there's some things we want to do differently and, it really only happens with support from you guys. For the ones that listen, share the shows, uh, leave reviews, they subscribe on on the different platforms. It it's definitely motivating, and it's really cool to get that that response from you guys. So yeah, we're gonna we we hear you, and we're gonna kind of mix things up a little bit, do what we can to improve our our package and and get some stuff going, Eric. So yeah, absolutely uh, love it. Getting involved,
2: uh, love to see. The uh the the good and bad feedback in the comments. It's fun. Uh we enjoy it. So um yeah, keep it up. Keep sharing, keep uh interacting, keep talking shit. It's good.
1: Yeah. And we um we also have like we have a bunch of those tech fan questions. Uh we didn't get them in mm-hmm. this show, obviously, because uh we just thought this is a long one already. And I just wanted to uh take the time with Ricky, but we have a lot of those questions. So maybe the next pod we'll do, we'll do a Q and a pod. Uh, we have a couple interview ones still that we're, we're yeah. working on, but we will, uh, we'll, we'll throw in a Q and a, Q&A qu- uh, podcast that, cause we have quite a few of those, but yeah, uh, I want to make sure again, just, just without these sponsors, it, it wouldn't be possible. Mission foods. They they keep us going. Title sponsor of the podcast, Indian motorcycles. since 19, 1901. Any motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules just a really cool brand. Just doing a lot of a lot of cool things. They're they're still supporting American Flat Track. They're heavily invested in Moto America and the Bagger Bagger Series and the Super Hooligan Title and uh, anything. Gary like Gary is such a unique and and uh, he's a rider, man. He loves the sport and the whole team at Indian Motorcycle. They're they're just guys that get it and they and they ride. Like it's cool to it's cool to see that passion from from that brand. So we appreciate their support. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas. Jerry Stinchfield. He keeps us rolling. Without Jerry, the pod would have never taken off. And and he he's he, he's kept us going for years and years on this podcast. It's crazy how long we've been doing this. Honestly, just I was uh I was trying to find a podcast. It was I forget what number it was. Somebody asked me, and I was like, Yeah, we. Oh, Randy Goss. They're like, Yeah, you should talk to Randy Goss. I'm like, I've had him on, and he drives school buses now. It's uh, episode. Let me look here, and I'm scrolling. I'm like, Holy shit, that was two years ago. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a long journey and Jerry's been with us from, from, uh, basically day one. So shout out to Jerry bell power sports, check out bell to, uh, to view their full line of products, race, star flex, the moto 10, great lineup of, of helmets and gear. Check them out and Yamaha motorsports and Yamaha racing. Check out their website, Motorsports.com, motorcycle, ATV side-by-side snowmobile and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. I'm going to get rolling on this dude. Get this one out here. Appreciate you taking the time. And uh, much love, guys. Appreciate everybody. Till next time, we out.